Hey, good morning, everybody. So like, uh, like Pastor Terry said, we are in our second week of uh, talking about money, and I can't believe how many of you are back for the second week. All right. Oh, my goodness. So, um, yeah, if we haven't met before, my name is Brian. I am uh, I'm so glad and honored that you are here with us today. Um, I, I want to uh, begin by just posing a question. What would it take for you to characterize a person as a generous person? What would it take you for, to, to characterize someone as a generous person, right? If, if you were, like, out on the street and you saw a stranger give another person $5, would you say that's a generous person, right? Like, maybe not, like, if the person, like, you knew that they were a millionaire, right? Maybe they wouldn't qualify as generous. Maybe they would. Or, but, but what if, like, what if the person who gave that $5 was, like, a little five-year-old kid giving their birthday money? Well, now are they generous? What about, what about like, the average American? Would you consider the average American as a generous person? Did you know that in, in, uh, in the U.S., about, uh, about uh, two-thirds of the households in the U.S. Uh, give to charitable causes? About, about two in every three uh, families, two in, two in every three households give to uh, charitably. And the average amount of those houses that do give is about 4% of their annual income. Now, unless you're in Minnesota, ours is a little bit lower. Um, we're at like 3.5% is what Minnesota and uh, those houses are. So let me ask. So if you, if, if you are like the average, are you a generous person? But what, what, if, what if the average was higher? What if, what if the average amount given was 50%? Now are you a generous person? Does the average matter? And what about the Bible? What does the Bible actually have to say about being generous? Right? I, I, again, I'm not like a Bible scholar by any means, but I did my own like, you know, research on this little study. And as best as I can tell, um, when it comes to being generous, uh, the, when, when the Bible talks about the tithe, okay, the tithe is this biblical concept of giving 10% of your income to, to God, or more practically 10% to your local church, um, that, that there's only one time in the Bible that it connects the tithe to being generous, but, but when it comes to uh, the idea of gifts and offerings, the Bible talks, uh, ties that, connects that to being generous numerous times, right? Gifts and offerings are like, um, in the Bible, what, what is above and beyond that 10% is, is kind of how that, quality, right? Some, in church settings, you'll hear sometimes, oh, we're, we're going we're gonna to collect our tithes and offerings. That's what that's talking about, right? Tithes and then above and beyond, the offerings, okay? And multiple times throughout the Bible, it connects that to being a generous person. So does that mean that you have to give at least 10% of your annual income to qualify as being generous? What does it mean to be a generous person? You see, however, however you define what it means to be generous, what I know to be true about you and, and me is that, is that we want to be people characterized as generous. Now, like we said, we're in week two of this series that we're calling Ducks in a Row, where we're talking about uh, biblical principles that if you apply these will help you get your financial ducks in a row. Last week, I gave you a couple disclaimers because, let's be honest, anytime the church talks about money, everyone gets on the edge of their seat like, what's going to be said? So I gave some disclaimers, okay? I want to give you those disclaimers again about this series. The first disclaimer when it comes to this series is that, that this series will not help you get rich, okay? This is not a get-rich-quick series. That's not what this is, I promise, all right? In fact, if you, if you apply all of these principles to your life, you may actually become less rich, all right? But I promise it's worth it. Second disclaimer about the series. 
is that this series will give you money principles, not money truths. And what I mean by that is this. A principle is something that tends to be true over time. A truth is something that is always true all the time. Okay, we're talking about money principles, things that tend to be true over time, which as kind of a side note to that too, also means that if you apply the principle, but you quit too soon, it won't work. It works over time, all right? Um, And then the last disclaimer about the series is this, is that this series is 100% completely optional if you are not a follower of Jesus, okay? I want to just be upfront clear about this, that if you are not a follower of Jesus, I would never expect you to follow the teachings of Jesus, right? I would never expect that of you. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, I don't want you to just like check out because I still believe that the principles we're going to talk about are going to make a huge difference in your life. And for those of you who are followers of Jesus, I want you to lean in because this series actually has the potential to transform your life. Now, um, last week, like uh, Pastor Terry said, we talked about uh, this idea of stewardship. We unpacked this idea of stewardship and what it means to cultivate an abundance mindset. If you missed that, um, you can jump on YouTube, you can watch the, uh, last week's or listen to it on our podcast. Uh, but this week, this week we're going to shift gears and we're going to talk about generosity. So again, what, what would it take for you to characterize someone as a generous person? The money principle that we're going to talk about today is actually one of the principles that if you apply this principle, again, over time, this principle will actually position you and help you become someone who is characterized by generosity. So we're going to jump into a a passage of scripture today in 2 Corinthians. Now, here's just a little context for this, okay? Um, This is a letter from the Apostle Paul, right? Pastor Paul writing to this church in Corinth, hence the Corinthians, right? And it's the second letter that we know of to this church, which is why it's 2 Corinthians, all right? So it's 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and this is what Pastor Paul has to say to this church in Corinth. He says these words. He says, I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem, for I know how eager you are to help, and I have been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you in Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many, uh, many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. But I'm sending these brothers to be sure you really are ready, as I have been telling them, and that your money is all collected. I don't want to be wrong in my boasting about you. We would be embarrassed, not to mention your own embarrassment, if some Macedonian believers came with me and found that you weren't ready after all that I told them. So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift and not one given grudgingly. Now, I'm going to just be straightforward with you. When I first read this passage, especially when I was younger, it feels a little bit passive aggressive, doesn't it? I mean, like when you read it with like that kind of like mindset, like, oh, the church just wants it. It's like, okay, hey, I want you to know, I'm coming, have your money ready. Like, that's kind of how it feels. It's a little bit like, but but what I've actually learned is if you read this passage with a different perspective, when you read this passage, again, you remember last week we compared that ownership mentality with stewardship mentality. When you read this passage with that stewardship mentality, this actually becomes a scripture that sounds really thoughtful. It it actually becomes a, a, a passage that sounds 
like really thoughtful and caring words from a pastor wanting to set his people up for success. And so what I want to do is I actually want to go back. I want to relook at this uh, piece of scripture again, and I want to unpack a little bit of this. I want to draw your attention to a few of the pieces of this, uh, this passage, and then I'm going to draw out our money principle for this week, okay? So uh, I, I want to start right at the beginning. He says this. He says, I, I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving. The first thing I, I just want to note for us is that giving is a ministry. Giving is a ministry. You see, some of you, some of you, the, the way that you do ministry, the, the way you love to minister to people is like cooking food for people. So, some of you, that is your jam. That's like where you love to minister to people. Others of you, you love to minister to like youth and kids, and so you serve in, in, in the youth and the kids area. So, others of you, you love to minister to people by doing handiwork or landscaping. Others of you, you like to minister to people through your musical abilities, right? But but what you need in order for all of those ministries to actually function and happen is money. <laughs> you actually need money to make those ministries happen, right? You need money to buy the food that you can cook for the people. Do you, do you see what I'm saying here? That e think about even where we're at right now, right? The chairs that you're sitting in, the microphone I have, the stage, the screen, being able to connect online, all the technology involved in that, all, all of this, that we're able to be ministered in all of these different ways because of the money that someone gave before us, or for some of you that you gave, so that we could be ministered to in this place. You see, giving is a ministry, and money is actually a tool that can be used for greater ministry. So the first little principle, first idea that I want to draw out is the reality that giving is a ministry, that when you give, you are ministering to people. But, but I want to I draw attention to the words that, that this Pastor Paul is using to describe this community. This people who, who are being generous, who are getting ready to give this gift. Look at the words that he uses to describe these people, right? He uses words like, like, like you, you are eager to help, right? That, that you're worth boasting about to the other churches. That you had enthusiasm that stirred up other believers to begin giving. Right, that, that something was in these people that they were so excited about this ministry of giving that it was changing something about who they were and the way that, that Paul saw them. Do you, do you know what happens to you when you choose to steward your money and then give when God calls you to give? You see, I didn't know until I was about 25 years old. When I was 25, um, my, my wife and I, we decided that we were going to get involved with one of the fundraisers we have at, at, at Redeemer here called Sponsor a Leader. Now, if you're not familiar with Sponsor Leader, what it is is every year we have summer camps for youth, and we send up these young leaders uh, for a full week. They take time off, and we send them up to our camp, and they minister to youth for an entire week. And so what this fundraiser is, is for $100, you can sponsor one of those leaders and help cover the cost of them going up to camp. But in addition to that, you like, get to pray for them and encourage them. And, and so my wife and I, we decided we were going to do Sponsor Leader. Now, $100 is a big deal when you're 25 years old. <laughs> But, but you know what? We said, we're going to do this. We want to support the, 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 one of the leaders. We want, we, let's, let's go for it. So we sponsored one of the leaders. And, and man, I'm telling you, what happened that summer in us was wild. We were praying for this leader. We were encouraging them. We were writing them you know, encouragement notes. We bought like, some candy stuff and sent a package up for this leader. We, we were so invested in their life. And, and, and when they came back, we wanted to hear the stories of like, what did God do in you and through you? And... The, and, and and what, we, what happened in us is like all of a sudden, like we saw this, this gift of $100, it did something in us. 
that we got to see the blessing that happened in this little bit of generosity, and, and we were so excited about it. So you know what we did the next year? We sponsored another leader. And we were, again, so excited. It was, it was so powerful to see the impact of our giving. And, and so the next year, we said, well, let's up our game. Let's get two. Let's sponsor two. So we sponsored two, and eventually we started sponsoring three. And we got so excited about seeing the impact of our giving, we started to, to give to a scholarship so that, that kids could go up, so that the youth could go up to the camps. And we started to support the camp ministry. We, we got so excited about, about what was happening in these ministries, and we were so invested, and God was doing something in us when we chose to give in these places. And you see, you see, four years ago, four years ago, my wife and I, we, we, we were giving, we were, we were tithing, we were, we, we were doing all the things, but, but then God showed us a money principle that absolutely changed everything for us. Everything about the way that we manage money and steward money and give our money, it changed everything. And this is our money principle for today. The second money principle that I want you to know in this series is plan your generosity. There's no gasp or like round of applause for that? Are you serious? No, I'm, okay, no, no, I'm just kidding. Plan your generosity. It's like, cool. Like, there's nothing about that that sounds exciting. Plan, plan generosity. Neat. Like, so what, right? But, but what I'm telling you is that this principle will change everything. So can I show you the scripture that we were just at one more time where this principle, or I'm drawing this principle from? And then I want to tell you a bit of my story. Okay, so I want to go back to that scripture that we're looking at again. And he says this. So he's talking about all of the things about, about giving this gift. And, all, and he says, he says that, that you were ready to send an offering a year ago. That this group of believers, they were ready to give a year ago. They had been planning this gift. They'd been setting aside money for a year, they had planned their generosity. You see, what I've come to learn is that one of the greatest keys to becoming a person characterized by generosity is that you plan your giving. You see, I used to think that, that like, like what, what it meant to be generous is that, like, well, generous people, they're the people who just respond when an opportunity to give, like, it shows up, right? Like, like you're, you're at a, a conference, and, and, and they're like, oh, they tug on your heartstrings. Like, well, but you can give. And you're like, oh, yeah, those are the generous people, right? When the kid comes knocking on your door, and you're like, oh, 20 bucks for the, man, those are the generous people. Like, that's how I used to think, like, what, what it meant to be generous. But what I've, like, come to learn is that giving sporadically doesn't actually make you generous. It just makes you sporadic. <laughs> but as I've, as I've gotten to know more people and as I've, I've gotten to have conversations with people who I, I believe are some of the most generous people that I've ever met, what I've learned is the common trait in every one of these people is that they plan their generosity. That the most generous people plan ahead of time their generosity. So I shared with you last week that four years ago, my wife and I, we were celebrating our 10-year wedding anniversary, and, uh, and, and in that time, we're just kind of dreaming about what God might be doing in us and what, what the next 10 years might look like, and, you know, we're, we're just, we're planning and we're dreaming, and, and, and we weren't in, like, financial crisis mode, but we were, like, one broken car away from crisis mode. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, we, 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 we this is where we were, and, and this dream that God had set in our, in our hearts about where he wanted us to go next the same barrier kept showing up over and over and over, and the barrier was money. That we wanted to be generous, we wanted to be able to bless and do ministry in cool big ways, but, but there was a huge barrier. And, and can I get a little bit more transparent again with our story? 
Now, I, I shared this with you last week, and I'm going to share this again. I'm not sharing my story as like, we did it right, or we did it wrong, or we were good or bad. I'm, I'm try- I want to be transparent with you, because talking about money can feel weird. There's this weird stigma that comes with talking about money, but, but if you want God to actually transform your finances, to, 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 to actually speak into your life, you have to get real about your finances. You have to be able to get honest about where you're at. So I want to get honest with you so that we can do this together. Um, four years ago, we had student loan debt. Now, uh, young adults in the room, if you've got young adults in your life, you're going to resonate with this, okay? Um, when I went to college, uh, I, I graduated college with $60,000 in student loan debt. Yay, private colleges, Whew, right? Oh, it was awful. Um, but luckily, uh, my wife, I married a doctor. Yeah, except what they don't tell you is how much it costs to become a doctor. Wow. Oh, you, you see, depending on like the specialty or the medical field you're going to go into, how much school, all the things, um, it, it can cost anywhere between like a quarter to a half a million dollars to become a doctor. Yeah. So, so four years ago, we were, I was about 10 years into a 30-year plan to pay off my student loans, and we were about three years into a 30-year a year plan to pay off my wife's student loans, okay? It's hard to plan to be generous when you've got that kind of debt hanging over your head, all right? Um, we were in, in a, a, a spot where it, it, to, to be generous, man, it was tough. But you know what? We decided that the dream, the vision that God had set on our heart was still worth pursuing. And so we, for the first time in our life, decided we need to get a finance coach. We need to get a financial coach to come in and actually help us with all this because we'd never done that. And so we got in touch with a, a, a financial coach and she, she was calling us and she's, okay, we're going to meet up and, and she's telling us, okay, before we come, you need to pull some things together. You got to get you know, your mortgage statement and all the stuff. And she goes, oh, and make sure that you bring your budget so that I can look that over. And I said, a budget. Oh. Like, like to, to us, uh, like my budget was make sure that the checking account is above zero. That's our budget. Great. And, and so we sat down with our financial coach and she's, you know, she's helping us through. She's so gracious and she's helping us with all the, all the pieces of it. And, and, uh, and, and she helped us actually put together a budget of like what we had been spending. You have no idea what you're spending until you know what you've been spending, all right? You have no idea how many times you go out to eat and, until you see the numbers. <laughs> it was embarrassing. But for the first time in our lives, we actually got to see where our money was going. And for the first time in our lives, we actually got to decide where our next month's money was going to be going. That she helped us actually create a budget of all the different line items, all the different things, and she helped us actually make a plan for how our money would be spent. And it changed everything for us. It was incredible. It was, it was so life-changing to actually know where our money was going and how we could actually be generous and, and where our generosity was going to be directed from now on. Can I tell you my favorite part of the story, though, actually? My favorite part of the story is we're all done with this. She's kind of, I mean, our minds have been blown up until this point. We're all excited, and, and she's packing up all of her stuff and kind of like, and she goes, oh, oh and Brian, um, one last thing. Your homework, because we're going to meet in like two months. Your homework for, for two months from now um, is I need you to find an additional $500 to put towards your monthly student loan payment. Okay, bye. <laughs> now, I later found out she misspoke, but I didn't know that. Uh, 
but I told you, we were all in. We were going to make this happen. Do you know how long it took me to find $500? 45 minutes. 45 minutes of looking at our budget, going, okay, well, if we, if we just cut some expenses here, if we can move some, you know, this over here, 45 minutes of picking up the phone and just calling our, uh, our, our phone company and, and the, the you know, internet company and just seeing if I can get some deal. 45 minutes is all it took. Now, here's the deal. Your situation is different than mine. Okay, I don't go, hey, you can five $500. No, okay, you, you probably can't, actually. <laughs> Your situation is different than mine. Or I can't stand up here and help you find $500 a month. I can't do that. I can't stand up here and help you find uh, uh, your own personal budget, right? I can't do that for you. But our finance booster can. So here's a little shameless plug. Get, in, get signed up for the finance booster. If you need help with your finances, seriously, it is going to be awesome. I can't do that right now, okay? We can't do that right now. And so instead, what I want to do is I actually want to give you a, a budget principle that was taught to me years ago. It's a budget principle we've taught at Redeemer for a while. It's, it's, it's different uh, pastors and people who, who teach this. It's just kind of like a base level way to plan a budget. And so if that's you, I hope this is helpful for you. It, it, it's what's called the 10-10-80 rule. The 10-10-80 rule. And how this works is uh, it's 10 10, 80. This is, this is the percentages of your annual income and how you divvy them out, okay? So the, the way that this plays out is you give 10% to God, 10% goes to your future self, and you live on the rest. You live on the last 80%. So let me talk about this. The first 10% goes to God. This is, again, what we would call like the tithe, okay? Um, and you give that to God. Or more practically, this is what you would give to your local church, the place that you call your home church. And uh, and the order of this is important, right? If, if you try to make this the, the last 10%, I, I, it doesn't work because you're going to run out of money before you get to there, okay? That's just life. That's how, order is important. And here's again why. It's the first 10% because we are going to plan our generosity, right? We're going to set aside ahead of time what we have decided to be generous with. 10%. Now, I'm telling you that, that as a, a follower of Jesus, it's my belief that, that followers of Jesus should tithe, should give 10% to the local church. But you have permission to disagree with me. Okay, you have all the permission in the world. You don't have to believe that. that I, that's great. All I ask is this. I ask that you meet with Jesus, you get into your Bible, and you pray, like, God, what, what is it that you want me to give? And wherever he leads you, great, that's your first number. I'm telling you 10, okay? The first 10 is given to God. The second 10 is you pay your future self. This is what you can put into your retirement account. This is what you can put into your emergency fund, right? So that when your car breaks down, you're not in crisis mode, right? Now, this is, for some of you, for some of you, this is how you need to start saving for a vacation because my goodness, it's been too long. <laughs> the second 10%, you pay yourself your future self, okay? So that's what the second, the second 10 is. So 10% goes to God, 10% goes to your future self, and then you live on the last 80%. This is your bills and your child care and your student loan debt, and, and this is the, the area that I like to call the fun generosity. This is where that sporadic generosity can come out of. Now, I told you, this is, it's the 10, 10, 80 rule, but there's nuance and detail in this, that you've actually got to figure out what your numbers are. I'm giving you 10, 10, 80 as just an easy way to remember it, but for you, Maybe just your own situation, you're at a place where this needs to be the 5-5-90 rule. Maybe that's what you need right now. Others of you, maybe this needs to be like the 30-20-50 rule, okay? But it's different for you. You've got to figure that out. You've got to nuance this and determine 
what your numbers are. But here's the idea. You plan ahead of time how you are going to be generous. That's the principle here. You plan it ahead of time. You plan your generosity. You don't wait for those sporadic moments just to show up. You plan it ahead of time. Now, all of this, again, how do you decide what numbers are yours, right? The 10, 10, 80, how do you decide what, what your number is? I want to point you back to the scripture one more time. And it's the last words that Paul gives to this group before he shows up, right? He says, he says but I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. See, when it comes to money, when it comes to finances, when it comes to stewardship and generosity, God is concerned about your heart. He's not concerned about the amount of money you have. He wants your heart. And if giving a certain amount is going to sour your heart, if giving a certain amount is going gonna, is gonna to just get you upset at God and make it feel like God's taking my money, like, then don't give. Give what you actually feel joyful to give. You see, when you, when you begin to steward your money, when you begin to plan your generosity, what actually ends up happening over time is that when you give, it actually brings joy to your heart instead of, instead of feeling like a burden on your heart. Right? God's not interested in, in your giving being like a grudge match between him and, him and you. God wants it to be a joy. He wants it to be a ministry that you can bless people with. And a little side perk of this whole thing is that now, because you've planned your generosity ahead of time, when the neighbor kid comes knocking on your door like, hey, you want to buy my card? You can just graciously say, no. <laughs> because you've already decided how you're going to be generous. You can still give, that's great. But you don't have to depend on those moments anymore to feel like you're a generous person. Because you've already decided where to give. You already are a generous person. Now we're talking about money, and these are principles that will help you get your financial ducks in a row. But these are principles about what it means to actually follow Jesus. Not because it's about money, but because it's a reflection of your Heavenly Father. Right? We cultivate an abundance mindset last week because our God is an abundant God who can do infinitely more with what we have than we ever could. We're talking about planning our generosity because that is a reflection of your Heavenly Father's heart. That when, when God saw that, that we would mess up and walk away from Him and hurt other people and do things that would hurt your Heavenly Father's heart, He had already planned in advance that He was going to minister to you, that He was going to be generous to you, that He would give Himself fully to you. And in that gift that He gave, we find freedom, we find salvation, we find forgiveness, we find wholeness. And that gift was Jesus. That God gives himself fully to us in Jesus who came to this earth, who took on our sin and died, it, died on a cross, putting it to death so that we don't have to carry that anymore. It was a reflection of our generous God's generous heart for you. And today, Today, there are some of you who are going to make a decision to get honest about your finances. Who maybe for you, it's time to actually create a budget and to start planning your generosity and seeing what God might do there. And today is your day to decide, yeah, God, let's go. Let's do this. But for others of you, maybe today is the day that you decide to say yes to the generous gift of Jesus to you. 
to say yes, maybe for the first time, maybe, maybe for the first time in a long time, to commit your life or recommit your life to Jesus and say yes and receive this incredible gift that he's given to you and to begin walking in relationship with the God who loves you. So I want to ask each of you here, would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? And in just kind of the safety of this moment, I want to ask if, if that's you today, if you're, if you're here and you need to say yes to Jesus, again, either for the first time or, or maybe for the first time in a long time, then I want to invite you right now, as a declaration of saying yes to Jesus, would you raise your hand and look at me? I just want to acknowledge you. Would you raise your hand right now? Beautiful. It's beautiful. I see you. Beautiful. Amazing. You see right now, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, what we also know is that saying yes to Jesus isn't just a one-time decision. It's a daily decision. That it's not a a one-time decision and then you move on with life. It's a daily walk with Jesus, being transformed by him. And so together, whether you raised your hand today or whether you are saying yes to Jesus again, once again, like you did yesterday and the day before, I want us to pray this prayer together as a declaration that we belong to Jesus. Would you pray this after me? Heavenly Father, sorry that I've sinned against you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Send your Holy Spirit to live in me. Today I say yes to following you. Amen. Amen. Hey, can we celebrate those who said yes to Jesus today? You know, saying, saying yes to Jesus, it's one of the most powerful decisions you will ever make. In fact, it's the most powerful decision you will ever make because it changes every part of your life from then on. Would you stand? I want to pray a blessing over you before we leave today. In the generous love and hope of Jesus today, today may you be filled with love. May you be filled with an attitude of ministering to others. Would you be filled with the hope of Jesus as you leave this place today, as you look in the area of your finances and when you look at the people in your life, may how you choose to live today be a reflection of your heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Redeemer, have a great week.